This is episode 96 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 13 Ways to Declare Your Personal Independence, Preparing for Biological Disaster, and I Am the Enemy. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, recently we talked a little bit about food storage and and uh, putting away you know rice and beans in your own uh, food buckets. Um, Michael left in a message, a couple of comments actually on episode 95. He gets his food grade buckets from local firehouse subs, um, from his local fire. So firehouse subs is a is a franchise uh, out there. I think it's a franchise or, you know, it's a restaurants that you can go to and uh, you can get buckets or pickle buckets for $2 uh, a piece. And he says that he, you know, he brings them home, cleans them out with alcohol and lets them air out for a few days. He said that they do come because my question was, do they come with good lids? And he said, yeah, they do come with lids. And a lot of the times they're really good lids. There's been a few that the gaskets haven't been, um, uh, you know, didn't have a good seal or whatever, but for $2 a piece, man, that's great. And so letting them know, I think he mentioned that uh, he lets them know that uh, he's interested because, you know, they, they'll sell out. I don't know how big they are. Uh, I'm wondering if they're five gallons. Maybe they might be a little bit smaller. But, man, for 2 bucks, and, and if they have good lids, that's a, that's a great, great deal there. Um, so uh, if, if you have a local firehouse subs uh, next to you or close to you, you might want to go inquire about uh, some of their buckets uh, because, you know, there might be people around your area who aren't, you know, uh, taking them up on buying those for two bucks. Uh, also, you'll have, uh, you can also go to a bakery. You can get buckets there. They're not going to be uh, as thick uh, as probably these are going to be. But uh, I know that like my local Kroger's would give them away free. Um, but yeah, just, just start looking into it. I wonder if Subway does the same way, some same thing. You know, if they have big old uh, pickle buckets that they would would be willing to give away. So uh, something cool there. Hey, I want to say thank you to Brian. Brian left me uh, an, a review on iTunes. Really, really appreciate that, and uh, really means a lot to me. And really, you know, I love the feedback, and also it means a lot to. Uh, to the fact that it gets the message of prepper, the Prepper Website podcast out there, uh, you know, because when you when you leave a, a review, it just helps the algorithms in iTunes, and people you know take a look at it and say, all right, hey, so there are people listening to it and feedback, and so I really appreciate that. So thank you so much, Brian. And then if you're not part of the Facebook group, uh, you know, I'm posting things over there. Uh, don't I post things over there that I'm not really posting on on uh, the Facebook page the prepper website facebook page uh, you can get to the facebook group by going to a more self-reliantlife.com or just come over to the prepper website podcast.com and then click on free uh, facebook group but uh, there's this one video it's crazy i don't i don't know you hear words or you know they're they're talking so i don't know what language that is i haven't i didn't pay that close attention to it but the thing that got me was there's all these dogs and they're turning over um, and maybe you've seen it on Facebook. They're turning over dirt. And as they're doing it, all these rats are running out. And at first I thought, I mean, I read it. At first I'm like, man, those aren't rats. Those are, they're rabbits. They're huge. They're humongous. But they weren't. They were rats, man. And so there's, there's about maybe 7 to 12 dogs. I didn't count them. But they're going after these rats. And they're just, you know, they go after them enough to kill them. And uh, it, it is absolutely crazy. So if you're a little jittery with rats and different things like that, uh, you might not like to see that. But, man, I thought that was that was absolutely crazy. Uh, I actually saw that on a friend's uh, feed. So that wasn't on a preparedness feed. I saw that on a friend's feed and, and decided to put that out there. Uh, I, I've always said that if we ever go out to the country, if we ever, you know, that's, I definitely want to make sure that I have some dogs and I have some cats because they will take care of those little rodents for you. Uh, you know, having one of those like a barnyard cat or a couple of barnyard cats, you know, they would, you know, one that's not used to being an inside cat, right? You know, you, if you you have an inside cat and you go out to the country, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they would. 
I don't know too much about cats, but I don't know if they would be able to adjust as easily. But if you have a, an outside cat and they are used to being outside, man, they will take care of those critters. And we're going to talk about biological. I actually have a great podcast today, a lot of great articles. So I'm, I'm really, you know, looking forward to this one. This one's going to be a really good one if you'll stick with me. Um, but we're going to be talking a little bit about biological disasters. And I've said this before. I remember reading it that uh, the, during the, bubo- the, the bubonic plague in Europe, uh, a lot of people thought that this was a, a you know a, a plague that was from the Jews because the Jews weren't getting uh, the, the Jewish community wasn't getting uh, sick. You know they they weren't they weren't being infiltrated uh, by this this plague. And what wound up happening is you know they realized it was rats that were eating and pooping and everything and food and people were getting sick and that's one way that they were carrying carrying this disease around but the thing is is that the Jews had a lot of cats and so uh, these cats were taking care of all the rats and um, that's one reason why it didn't spread so prevalently in the Jewish community so I've always said that man I I definitely want to have a cat uh, a couple of cats possibly if we go out there to the country and we're going to be out there for long term and definitely some dogs. But anyway, so we, like I said, we do have a really great podcast. All these articles are really, are, are really great. And so uh, I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. We're going to go ahead and start off with the first one. It's from uh, the survivalmom.com. Lisa Bedford has 13 ways to declare your personal independence. And uh, like I said, stick with me because uh, the disaster, biological disasters are really intense or, uh, you know, there's a lot of information there. And then the last one, I think, uh, is one that everyone will definitely be able to, uh, to uh, I guess, identify with. And so let's go ahead and read this first one from Lisa Bedford, The Survival Mom, 13 Ways to Declare Your Personal Independence. We preppers like to talk about self-reliance and independence and perhaps We achieve a bit of that when it comes to growing our own food, having multiple ways to survive if or when the power goes out, and storing waters for emergencies. However, we can still be very much chained by habits and mindsets that are much harder to change than just snagging a few extra cans of soup every trip to the grocery store. This Independence Day, why not declare your personal independence in a way that will establish a whole new course toward true freedom? Get rid of debt. When my husband and I paid off the last credit card a few years back, I cannot tell you how great it was to finally be free of that financial burden. With two vehicles that are paid off as well, we only have our mortgage every month, and my goal is to have that paid off within 10 years. We applied Dave Ramsey's popular money management system from this very easy-to-read book, The Total Money Makeover, and soon we're free of debt with savings in the bank as well. Declaring financial independence isn't easy and will take time, but every little bit helps. Even if you save just $1 a day or use something like this 52-week savings plan. So I will tell you that there are a lot of links in here that you'll want to go check out. Alright, continuing on. Free your household from chemicals. I'm not an enemy of all chemicals, but most consumers mindlessly purchase products for cleaning, personal care, or pets pest elimination, and even food without checking the ingredients. And all too often, those ingredients are words we can't even pronounce, much less understand how they might impact our health. For many years, the number one cleaning product in my house was simple white vinegar. I mixed it in a bucket, in a big bucket, with some water to mop my floors, used it on countertops, tabletops, and had a spray bottle with half water, half vinegar for an all-purpose cleaning spray. You can increase your independence from questionable chemical additives by making your own lotions, lip balms, toothpaste, pet treats, and soap. Download my free guide, Switch from Store-Bought to Homemade, for my ideas and recipes, and check out this article with recipes specifically for cleaning your house. Along those same lines, establish food freedom and set yourself and your family free from preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, excessive sodium, and other undesirable ingredients in your food. Take a look at what is in your grocery cart, and if most of it is processed, figure out ways to make those same foods from scratch with wholesome ingredients. This is so much easier than you might think. Years ago, I went on a from-scratch cooking kick and was amazed by how simple it was and how I could adjust recipes to suit my own taste, include in-season produce, and, in general, tweak recipes in multiple ways. I've written about using a no-recipe cooking method for soups and casseroles and suggest giving it a try. 
There's no need to ingest ingredients that food production companies decide to add to their products when those ingredients are unhealthy. Growing your own food, learning to preserve it by canning and or dehydrating, and even raising chickens and bees, both are entirely possible in the suburbs, are all ways of declaring independence and increasing self-reliance at the same time. Want or tip? Want to get starting with canning? Tomatoes are in season everywhere right now and are one of the easiest of all foods to can. Here's more information to help you get started. Take a long, hard look at how you might get your children out of the public education system. Even though I was a classroom teacher for several years and then I trained teachers for an additional five more years, I'm not a big fan of public schools. I've homeschooled our kids from kindergarten through their senior year. My daughter just graduated from high school as a homeschooler and I wouldn't change a thing. When you homeschool, you remove your kids from the matrix, as I call it. They are free to become their own independent-minded individual, free to explore their God-given interests and talents, free from daily intense peer pressure and sometimes bullying, and this sets the entire family free from the demands of public school. Our family has enjoyed the freedom to travel, visit relatives, and vacation throughout the year, not just during the summer months. Some years we've spent less than $200 on school books and supplies, other years more, but that was by choice of curriculum, special classes, sports, etc. Homeschooling can be very budget-friendly. I've written numerous articles about homeschooling, how to get started, the curriculum I use, etc., and you can read them all right here. So I'm going to stop uh, because we're only on number four, and I'll, I'll probably wind up forgetting if I, if I don't stop right here and just give a few thoughts here, all right? So when I first started in preparedness, many of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm in education. So uh, just last year, I moved from the campus. I was an assistant principal. Uh, so I've been a teacher, an instructional specialist that focused on math and science on the elementary level. And then I was an assistant principal for uh, seven, eight years. And then I moved into the district uh, office and I manage software for the district now. So um, before I started Prepper website, um, when the idea of a homeschool, I remember the very first time that homeschool kind of came up and I was a little negative on it. Man, I got just, you know, my butt handed to me with people just coming after me. And, and so the reason, the reason my, my views of homeschool now, because of my, you know, my religion, my religious mindset, my Christianity, I totally am all for the, the, the homeschool side of that coming from that point of view, uh, at this time, right? So I'm talking about in the past. But, all my experiences with homeschool up until this point when I was in public education were all negative. And so let me kind of explain a little bit. As an assistant principal, there were things that we had to do. Um, I can tell you in my seven, eight years of being an, an administrator, there was probably, I can count on two hands, you know, the amount of times where I had to call someone a parent because there was a situation, and uh, you know the parents uh, said, "Mr. Sepulveda, we um, thank you so much for calling me. I'm going to deal with this. This is never going to happen again." Of all the phone calls I ever made, probably can count on two hands, maybe maybe three, maybe maybe three, but it was so so rare. It was always and and you know the people that responded that way were always older parents, like parents who had kids that were. Uh, either it was grandparents taking care of kids or it was older older people who had kids and you know at an older age right uh, they were it wasn't young parents uh, but it was always more like what did the other kid do what did the you know my kid doesn't do things like that and I'm like you know even if I had video you know this happened even if I had video evidence of it right but anyway so people would get upset and they would pull their kids out and they would homeschool and so what would happen is they would pull their kids out. They would go because they don't have any idea of what homeschool is or what you should do or how you should go about it. They would do so a quick research and find some software uh, online, homeschool curriculum, and they would put their kid in front of a computer for whatever, you know, uh, you know, that would be their homeschool. That would be what they considered homeschool. And because Texas is so lax on this, well, we had people come from uh, up north. I can't remember the state, but they had to actually 
present lesson plans every six weeks to the to their local school. They had to go present present lesson plans and those kinds of things. So when they moved down to Texas and moved down to uh, to our school, they were like. Uh, hey, we have this and this and this. And we're like, hey, you don't need to do that. I mean, Texas is not like that. And so she was a little perturbed. Uh, I will tell you, her kids were very smart uh, and, and really with it. But um, so Texas is very, very lax on that. So you can go and, and just do a computer uh, situation. So people would get, kids would get in trouble. Parents would get frustrated with the school and they would pull their kids out. They would do this computer thing for a couple of months and then wind up bringing them back. And so they were already behind, you know. And so I remember this one kid who got in trouble. He got in trouble a lot. Uh, mom got frustrated. She pulled him out and she ran a in-home daycare. So a lot of the times he was helping her with the daycare. And uh, he came back. So he was pulled out in the mid- middle of his third grade year. He came back to us in fifth grade. And he was this big, big kid and uh, very intimidating to a lot of the teachers. And so uh, I, I remember we were having a lot of issues with him. I sat him down. I tried to always understand the kids and where they were coming from. I'm like, man, you know, tell me what your school was like. Because I knew that a lot of the times the acting out and the stuff, I mean, that was happening during class time. So it was, uh, it was an effort to not have to do. It's easier to say, not admit, I don't know, especially when you're this big kid, you know. Uh, I, I, it's easier to say, I don't, uh, uh, it's easier to act out, right? Instead of saying, I don't understand how to do this. I don't have the background to be able to do this. I never learned how to do this. And so it, he would always flare up when it was, you know, a technical thing that he had to do in the class. And so one time I sat down with them and I said, man, tell me about your, your education, where, what, how you were homeschooled the last couple of, uh, you know, the, the last year and a half. And he said, well, I had a computer program and we sat down in front. Uh, I sat down in front of the computer and I did my work every morning. I said, great. What, you know, how long would it, would it take you? And he said, well, about two hours. And, and he says, so you did work for two hours and that was it. So, you know, that's what his homeschool amounted to. And so I'm saying all of this because I'm, you know, Lisa, Lisa was a, was a former educator and I'm a former, I'm, you know, was in the classroom as well. All this to say that if you choose to homeschool, you really need to know what you're getting into. You need to be into it for the long haul. You need to be prepared. You need to research. You need to make sure that you are uh, you know, communicating with other groups, that you're involving yourself with other groups, people who have experience in homeschooling so you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, you know, and and go from there. But if you're gonna do it, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if you're doing it because you don't the the local school has you know done something, and you're like it, it is this quick reaction, like I'm pulling my kid out, I'm gonna homeschool, and you've you haven't done any kind of looking into it and what it's going to take. You're just going to do more more harm than good because your child, if you're going to throw your kid back into the public education system, they're not going to be prepared. They're already going to be behind. And so they're going to be dealing with all that on top of everything else, right? So if you are homeschooling, which I think, you know, nowadays I'm like, what would I do? I mean, my kids are, are you know, I've got two that are out. And I've got one that's just about to be out. Uh, you know, what would I do? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, in my school district that I'm in right now is a little bit more conservative than most. I, I look at other, I hear about other teachers and other things. I just came from, I uh, talked about this last week from the ISTE conference, the International Society for Technology and Education. So teachers everywhere. And there are some things I didn't, I didn't like to see, man. There are some things that I didn't care about. Uh, my district is a little bit more conservative. So what would I do? I don't, I don't know. I don't know uh, how, if I was starting off from scratch, uh, how that would all play out. But uh, that's just where I'm, I wanted to say that here. And take, I'm taking a lot of time, I know, saying this. But if you are going into that homeschooling, you are considering that. Really look into it and be sure that you're into it for the long haul. That you make sure that you're ready to you know, pay the price as far as learning the lesson plans and making sure that you're able to you know, uh, sit down in, in what you are going to teach. That it's not, you're not flying by the seat of your pants, right? You have a, a, a plan. You're not waking up every morning. Okay, what are we going to do today? Um, you do have that freedom like hey we're going to go out to the garden and we're going to have some real world education right or we're going to go out to you know the animals and we're going to have that's all all great but make sure you have a plan just don't 
fly by the seat of your pants and please just don't sit your kids in front of a, a computer and just say, hey, th this is it, you know, uh, do this computer program and you're good to go. Um, uh, make sure that you, like I said, you have a plan on all of that. So uh, definitely is very, very viable. I think nowadays uh, I, I totally understand why people are homeschooling. I, I definitely, definitely do. All right. Uh, and I try to really... I really, I really tried to take all of that into consideration as an assistant principal. Uh, you know, I had a lot of inner, a lot of parents where I talked with that. You know, hey, we're homeschooling, and, and I would have the same kind of conversation with them as well. I'm like, hey, just make sure that you're not, you know, make sure you have a plan. And they're like, a lot of the times they had already looked into it a lot, and so uh, that that was great. So a lot there. All right, let's continue going. Uh, reduce your grocery bill. Can you imagine spending just two $400 a month on groceries? Well, some families do just that by cooking all meals from scratch. This is almost always cheaper than buying processed foods. Starting and expanding a backyard garden, raising chickens and other small livestock, buying in-season produce at farmer's markets, and basic meal planning focusing on the most frugal meals possible. You may not have much control over your rent, mortgage, or car payments amounts, but you have a ton of control over how much you spend on food. Check out this article about planning meals to get started. Knowing ahead of time what you will be cooking and serving several days in advance alleviates a lot of stress and allows you to shop the grocery store ads and clip coupons in order to save even more. Man, I just I just want to second that. What Lisa just said about that is having a plan, knowing what you're doing ahead of time. Actually, having a bank of meals uh, where you can kind of choose from uh, and rotate those is always a great deal. All right. Uh, get over materialism already. Wow, th well, this one sets you free in more ways than one. There's no need to keep up with the Joneses, especially when you think about how much the Joneses are spending. They may very well be in debt up to their eyeballs, as this old commercial reminds us. That sure doesn't look like freedom or independence to me. Every day we are inundated by both subtle and blatant messages about what we should own. Women's websites and magazines are among the worst. Unless we use a certain cosmetic, we'll never be beautiful. Until we go on an expensive diet, we'll never have the body we want. And of course, the message of this never-ending drumbeat is buy, buy, buy. Well, you can, well, you and I can say no to these messages of materialism and get back to just the basics and focus on wants versus needs. This, by the way, is a great way to help our kids and grandkids also declare their independence and avoid the debt trap as adults. Let's go to let go of the past. Some of the most miserable people I've ever known are tied to past mistakes, past grievances, past relationships. They have never let go and moved on to see what the next chapter of their lives might hold. This Independence Day, forgive yourself for mistakes you've made and learned from them. One thing I've taught my own kids is this. Would you ever talk to your best friend the way you talk to yourself? Would you ever blame or never forgive your best friend because they made a mistake? Of course, their answer is always no, and I say, then why do you talk to yourself like that? Be, like, be kind to yourself as though you were, you were your very best friend. Give yourself grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Have a grudge against someone who hurt or rejected you? The best thing I ever did in a situation like this was write a friendly, neutral email to the person, wishing them the best of luck, and you know what? I never thought about them again. Really, that one simple step toward remove that... That one to simple step totally removed any power I thought they had over me, and I stopped my mental conversations of what I'd like to say, what I should have said, etc. I just wish I had thought to write that email months earlier. When you, when you take this step, also seek out people who are positive, happy, and are excited about life. It's been said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If that's the case, be purposeful and selective about those who those five people are. Married to a perpetual grumpy spouse, then determine the other four people will be rays of bright, shining lights in your life. Decide to stop stupid, risky behavior. Why chain yourself to bad habits that are affecting your physical, mental, and or emotional health? Even not getting enough sleep every night has extremely negative effects after a while. Some people avoid going to the doctor, the dentist, getting any exercise among other bad decisions, and end up paying a high price with an unhealthy body that couldn't run a block if they saw a mushroom cloud on the horizon. Don't be that person. If you're a prepper, you may already have set yourself free from worrying about what others think, but if not, this is something you need to make a habit of today. 
Nothing will bind you down more than worrying about what other people think when the truth is they really don't think about you very often at all. Declare your independence by taking charge of your time. You do realize that time is life, right? As those seconds and minutes tick away, that's your life ticking away, so why squander it by saying yes to commitments you really don't want or need in your life? Spending it on mindless video games and forms of entertainment that have no value at all, when we don't manage our time, we give control of our lives over to everyone and everything else, and there's certainly no independence in that. When we manage time well, our lives become more balanced, and this leads to better physical, emotional, and mental health. Granted, it's hard to achieve this during the baby, toddler, little kid years, but even an hour or so of alone time can help. I love this book, Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives, because it sheds so much light on the importance of using time strategically. If you're still seeking status and approval from others, you aren't truly independent, my sweet friend. Learn who you are, clarify your values, and decide what your own definition is of success. If you define success as having a happy marriage, healthy kids, and a home that is a haven for your loved ones, then you can hold your head up high because you've succeeded. Self-confidence modeled in front of your children is a magnificent, magnificent legacy that will extend to generations long after you're gone. If you do nothing else, set yourself from, free from social media. What a scourge this has become. On Twitter and Facebook, I have never seen so much rage, hatred, disrespect, and pure meanness on display every single day. Sometimes it's aimed at friends, but more often a total stranger. People who wouldn't even look you in the eye in real life have no problem calling you a, or a, or even a, and simply because you voice an opinion they don't like. Who needs that kind of social in their life? Not me. Not only does social media expose you to a steady stream of negative vibe, but it also sucks away time like nothing else can. I find myself scrolling through I've found myself scrolling through Facebook posts for hours each week, maybe getting a recipe idea here or there, maybe watching a funny cat video, but how is that really useful or helpful to me? I have plenty of cookbooks with hundreds of recipes, maybe thousands, that I've never read, and if our five pets aren't here for my entertainment, then what are they good for? I've been, I'm being a bit facetious with that last bit there, but you get my point. Nothing online, nothing at all, will ever contribute to your quality of life the way real relationships and real life will. Finally, find ways to reduce your dependence on others. Preparing for emergencies and being ready for things like power outages, bad weather, and unexpected expenses. Simple things like clearing your home of clutter and unwanted unnecessary belongings and getting organized, setting aside some money each week, and developing practical skills will all help you become independent and able to face challenges without total reliance on others. Foster this attitude in your other family members as detailed in this article. I've always wondered if it really is the nature of humans to fear independence and both need and want someone to rule over them, give them orders, and then obey, as in the speech by Loki in the Avengers movie. I think you and me, though, we're different. We were drawn to the idea of preparedness exactly because we reject the thought of being controlled and ruled, ruled over by others in a time of crisis and seek independence in ways that are often small but gradually accumulate to something of real significance. Enjoy your Independence Day, not just this July 4th, but on every day of the year. All right, so good article there. A lot of uh, good ideas from Lisa Bedford, uh, Survival Mom. And like I said, there are a lot of uh, links here that you're going to want to go check out. Uh, a lot of good stuff here that uh, even even I, I want to click on, man. So uh, good things. All right, so moving on to our next article. This comes to us from uh, Sheepdog Man. Uh, my friend Justin over there has written an article, and he's uh, continuing on. There's a series of the big last, the big, <laughs> the big list of nasty disasters, and so he's on part 17. Um, and so he's been doing, you know, big disasters and writing about them, and uh, he does a really good job of adding a lot of information. So uh, this article here, preparing for biological disaster, gives you a lot to think about and uh, a lot of good information. So let's go ahead and bounce on on this one. Of all the disasters I can't think of, one of the most terrifying is the possibility of an invisible and deadly pathogen racing across the globe, causing widespread, even global, biological disaster. The problem with biological pathogens is you can't see them. You don't know who might be contagious. 
You can't shoot the virus down or kill it with one fell swoop because it jumps from person to person or animal to animal. It will sneak across international borders and hitch rides on planes and ships. It might originate in a pig but then be transmitted to a human by a blood-sucking mosquito or a tick. It rears its ugly head and says, I am the mighty biological pathogen and I will mutate, I will transform, and I will spread rapidly and multiply. You might be able to run, you might be able to hide, but then again you might not. And I am coming for you. There are many disasters to be concerned about and for which to prepare. The gamut includes frequent events like hurricanes and tornadoes, all the way up to rare but big, bad, nasty global events that can kill millions. And then there are those outliers that probably will never happen. Alien invasion. <laughs> all right. Biological disaster, however, fits into all of these categories. And when it comes to global pandemic, it is not a matter of if, but when. In fact, there are many deadly pathogens currently active around the world. And the potential for them to spread is increasing. With imagination... I'm sorry. My goodness. I can read. I promise I can read. With immigration, migration, and worldwide travel on the rise, the danger of disease quickly spreading is greater than ever. Scientists from the SIU School of Medicine state, the travel and trade necessary for economic globalization continued potential for transmission of infectious agents from animal to humans and large populations living in proximity in major urban areas of the world make disease outbreaks a major threat. Many scientists predict the next major pandemic will kill many millions of people. Dr. Ashisha Jaha, director of the Harvard Global Health Institute, says, Of all the things that can kill millions of people in a very short order, the one that is most likely to occur over the next 10 years is a pandemic. Furthermore, Michael Osterholm, author of the new book, Deadliest Enemy, and director of the Centers for Infectious Disease Research at the University of Minnesota, said, we are sitting on something big with H7N9. Any one of these cases could trigger something big. By then, it'd be way too late. Why too late? Simply because there is no vaccination or cure and because government health officials would not be able to respond in time to stop the spread. Has this happened before? Yes. Here are some historical examples. The Black Death. Probably the most infamous and deadly of all biological disasters, the Black Death, came from Europe from the near and the far east aboard ships, and it killed as many as 375 million people. It earned its name from the disgusting black blood and pus oozing boils that covered its victims' bodies. Once infected, people were unable to keep food down, become, became delirious from the pain, and overcome with fever. The symptoms mentioned above were followed by vomiting, chills, diarrhea, terrible aches and pains, and then death. The Italian poet Giovanni Boccaccio wrote, At the beginnings of the malady, certain swellings, either on the groan or under the armpits, wax to the bigness of a common apple, others to the size of an egg, some more and some less, and these the vulgar named plague boils. I believe there are significant lessons we can learn from the historical record of this event, particularly how people respond to each other is such a, in such a situation. The staff writers at History.com wrote, In a panic, healthy people did all they could to avoid the sick. Doctors refused to see patients. Priests refused to administer last rites. Shopkeepers closed stores. Many people fled the cities for the countryside, but even there they could not escape the disease. It affected cows, sheep, goats, pigs, and chickens, as well as people. In fact, so many sheep died that one of the consequences of the Black Death was a European wool shortage. And many people, desperate to save themselves, even abandoned their sick and dying loved ones. I find that last line especially telling. Can you imagine the horror of abandoning your sick and dying child? Can you imagine what people will do to those who are not their loved ones in a desperate situation? Let's look at another example, influenza. Did you know that according to Harvard, 36,000 people die and more than 200,000 are hospitalized each year because of the flu? However, that yearly number pales in comparison to the 675,000 Americans who died when a new strain of avian flu rocked the nation in 1918. People had little to no immunity to the new strain and it killed indiscriminately. Young, old, healthy, infirm, it was no respecter of persons. According to WebMD, this influenza pandemic, the Spanish flu of 1918, killed 40 to 50 million people worldwide. 
The crazy thing about influenza is that it is constantly spreading among animals every day and mutating into new strains. According to Scientific America, if it picks up just a handful of certain mutations, it could start spreading among people with a mortality rate as high as 60%. Wow. With a global population of 7 billion, that would be nearly 4.2 billion lives lost. That's intense. Remember, this list is just a brief sampling of some of the most notable historical events. Other diseases have made their marks as well. Most notably, smallpox claimed the lives of 300 to 500 million people. Additionally, malaria kills an estimated 600,000 people each year. Cholera infects 3 to 5 million and kills an estimated 100,000 plus every year. The spread of Zika, SARS, H7N9, and other illnesses is on the rise. In the past, it took an estimated six to nine months for a pandemic to span the globe. Scientists believe that today, with modern travel and globalization, it will happen much faster. Still not convinced the threat is real? Here's further proof. The SIU School of Medicine notes, Historically, outbreaks or wars of microbial species against the human species have killed far more people than war itself. Examples include killing of 95% of pre-Columbian Native American populations by disease like smallpox, measles, plague, typhoid, and influenza. Death of 25 million Europeans, a quarter of the population caused by the bubonic plague in the 14th century, and 21 million deaths due to the influenza pandemic of 1918-1919. Worldwide, naturally occurring infectious diseases remain the major cause of death. One thing that makes these threats so scary is the variety of ways in which they spread. Delivery methods include aerosols, released into the air as fine mist or powder which can travel for miles and affect any person or animal who inhales them. Animals and insects, through livestock, mice, rats, cats, and insects such as fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes to name a few. Food and water contamination, person to person. Interestingly, there has been a lot of talk lately about the threat of nuclear war with North Korea. And while there may or may not be a legitimate concern, scientists have pointed out that biological agents are easy to develop as weapons, are more lethal than chemical weapons, are less expensive, and more difficult to detect than nuclear weapons. Therefore, it stands to reason that an enemy, whether it be a rogue nation state or terrorist group seeking to inflict harm yet not having the capabilities to engage in traditional warfare, could do so by releasing a pathogen or a biological agent. So considering that which might be manufactured by enemies and the increasing reach of naturally occurring biological agents, I repeat, it's not a matter of if, but when will a biological disaster occur. And when it does occur, how can you be prepared for it? Here are some important things to consider. I know there are many examples of people waiting too long to prepare, but one that comes to mind is what happened with iodine in California after the Fukushima reactor spill. Within hours of reports that radiation might reach California, iodine was completely unavailable. There was an instant shortage. The government said that people had no reason to have their own iodine because health officials would disperse it when and if necessary. Uh, yeah, right. That's just my own comment there. Yeah, right. Uh, so they told all of the pharmacies that they must pull whatever iodine they had from their shelves. Why, why, if they had it all and they would be preparing for it and uh, being able to disperse it, why would they ask pharmacies to pull it, right? Anyway, people freaked out and some started to sell tablets on eBay for 300 to $400. Incidentally, if you don't have iodine already in your possession, go get it now. You can purchase the tablets for only $7.99 with free shipping from Amazon. So just let me add that having iodine, does not, it's not like... Uh, it's not like a pill that protects you completely from radiation, right? So uh, you, do, you do need to look into that. Um, continuing on, uh, plan for secondary effects. So panic. Imagine the panic that will ensure if people began to drop dead because of a rapidly spreading disease. There will be a disruption of services. Stores will close, and it's very likely that the government will limit your freedom. <clears throat> Limiting of freedom. After the intentional release of anthrax through the United States Postal System in 2001, the Model Act, or Model State Emergency Health Powers Act, MSEHPA, was introduced to Congress and recommended for adoption by the states. As with most laws that follow a terrorist attack, its intent was to significantly expand the powers of the government to act in a time of crisis. The proposed law, however, introduced items that were considered to go too far and encroach upon the civil liberties of citizens. 
particularly concerning is the Protection of Persons Clause, which states, Protection of persons powers to compel vaccination, testing, treatment, isolation, and quarantine when clearly necessary. Also within the initial draft of the law was the power to seize firearms. This was later removed, however, the intention had already been signaled. Bottom line, you might not be able to get back home if you are traveling, and you might be forced to receive vaccination, testing, treatment, isolation, isolation or quarantine. Not all states have adopted the act, so to be sure you would have to research your individual state laws. You can see if your state is on the list of 38 who have adopted MSEHPA or derivatives here, and you can read analysis that details the bill's encroachment upon civil liberties from the AAPS here and the ACLU here. Uh, so just FYI, Texas was on that list. Economic loss or collapse. The World Bank estimates that the economic toll from a severe flu pandemic could hit $4 trillion. Therefore, plan for the secondary effects now. So how to prepare? While you will most likely hear about a potential biological threat through an emergency radio broadcast, TV broadcast, or other internet news reports, it's also possible that you may only hear about it through social media. The mainstream media may be advised to downplay the seriousness of the situation to avoid causing public panic. When the news breaks, it is also likely that resources previously available will immediately become unavailable, just as we noted was the case with iodine tablets during the reports of possible radiation concerns in California. Therefore, it's imperative to prepare now. So I just want to just say again, um, you know, I believe that when things start happening that there are going to be signs and there's going to be uh, talk and rumblings and, and so you'll see it. And kind of if you think of a little bit uh, back about when Ebola was uh, getting kicked off, I mean, you kind of heard about it. There was a lot of talk in the news and the media is, I believe, the media will spin it up just because they want, you know, they're going to cause fear and panic. They want people watching their programs. I mean, that's what they're all about. And so I think you will be hearing about it. Um, but uh, there is always that, you know, when it starts spreading really fast, um, you know, there's that that potential. But a lot of us in the preparedness community, we're always paying attention. So that's why it's it's important to keep our eyes, uh, you know, not living in fear or panic or anything like that. But you know, staying aware of what's going on in the world, right? All right. So um, let me see. Let's continue here. Immediate action steps: build an emergency kit for both your home and vehicle. Make sure your emergency kit includes enough food and water for a minimum of three days. Also, make sure it contains a battery-powered NOAA radio, a flashlight, extra batteries, prescription medications, and a first aid kit. See this checklist. Prepare a family communication plan. This plan should include an emergency meeting place where your family will go if you can't stay in your home. It should include nearby locations as well as locations out of town and out of state. Also, include all contact information for each member of your family, such as phone numbers, email accounts, social media accounts, medical facilities, doctors, and school contacts. Install a high-efficiency particulate air or HIPAA filter in your furnace or return duct. This is just a no-brainer. It's likely that you need a filter replacement already anyway, and a true HEPA filter will capture 99.97% of particles in the air. They remove particles in the 0.3 to 10 micron range and will filter out most biological agents. Not only that, they will help those who suffer from allergies or asthma as they eliminate dust, smoke, mold, bacteria, and pollen from the air. I searched Amazon for the best value and found an exceptional price here. If you want an additional protection, if you want additional protection or do not have a central he heating and cooling system, you can use a standalone filter such as the Hamilton Beach True Air Allergen Reducing Ultra Quiet Air Cleaner Purifier with Permanent HEPA Filter. Uh, important note, HEPA filters will not filter chemical agents. To prepare, prepare to create a safe haven environment. Choosing a safe haven room. Select an inner room on an upstairs floor with the least number of windows and doors. Choose a large room with access to a bathroom, preferably with a telephone. Avoid choosing rooms with windows or wall air conditioners. They are more difficult to seal. Sealing a room. Close all windows, doors, and shutters. Seal all cracks around windows and door frames with wide tape. Cover windows and exterior doors with plastic sheets, 6 mil minimum, and seal with pressure-sensitive adhesive tape. This provides a second barrier should the window break or leak. Seal all openings in windows and doors, including keyholes and any cracks with cotton wool or wet rags and duct tape. 
A water-soaked cloth should be used to seal gaps under doors. Shut down all windows and central air and heating units. Suggested safe haven equipment. Protective equipment, biological chemical rated gas masks, if available. Waterproof clothing, including long sleeve shirts, long pants, raincoats, boots, and rubber gloves. Food and water, three-day supply, emergency equipment, flashlights, battery-operated radio, extra batteries, can or bottle opener, knife and scissors, first aid kit, fire extinguisher, etc. Miscellaneous items, prescription medications and eyeglasses, fan, extra blankets, passports, and other important papers, television set, toys, books, and games. Alright, so um, before I go on to the next thing, uh, preparing a safe haven room or, uh, or environment... I think that the only reason you would really do that is if uh, there was like a serious airborne, you know, situation and it was completely airborne and like really stayed in the air for long, long periods of time. Uh, I don't think you have to do that if uh, it's being transmitted, you know, person to person, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, that something to consider there, but you really know why you would want to make a, a haven uh, or you know, make a safe room there uh, and seal it off. You, know, you really need to understand why you would want to do that, uh, not just if there was a pandemic situation you know, out there. Uh, continuing on, purchase 90, N95 or better respirators or full-fledged NBC gas masks. The CDC states an N95 respirator is one of nine types of disposable particulate respirators. Particulate respirators are also known as air purifying respirators because they protect by filtering particles out of the air as you breathe. These respirators protect only against particles, not gases or vapors. Since airborne biological agents such as bacteria or viruses are particles, they can be filtered by particulate respirators. What that means is that an affordable disposable respirator can be used to protect you from most biological agents. However, it will not protect you from chemicals or gases. For chemical and gas protection, you will need a gas mask. Personally, I would throw down the extra cash to purchase the 3M N100 filters pictured above for the highest level of protection in a disposable filter. They have an exhalation valve, which is, if you ever have used one of these for an extended period of time, really helps, as well as a comfortable foam face seal. At $45.99 for a pack of five on Amazon, it's well worth the peace of mind. Another thing to remember is eye protection. All right, let me go back to the, to the mask. Uh, a thing to consider about the mask, I mean, you're going to be using these, um, you know, I guess you could use one for a while, but you're going to be disposing of them as well. So you're going to want a big supply. Uh, back when Ebola hit, um, back in the day, you know, on Amazon, you could not get these on Amazon. Um, there was a time where, you know, they were completely out, out of stock. Uh, and so uh, also the, our local drug stores were completely out of stock as well. So, uh, you know, there are some things that you just it's good to have, like the N95 mask. I, I know that uh, Justin talked about the N100 mask here, but the N95 mask, you can get them for pretty cheap and you can get a lot of them. So, you know, that's one of those things where you just kind of go ahead and and uh, have them have them ready. Um, you know, because if you, if you wait, like he said, if you wait till you think you need them, you're not going to be able to find them. All right. Continuing on. Um, another thing to remember is eye protection. The CDC recommends eye protection for people who are at risk of acquiring infectious diseases via ocular exposure. Indirectly vented or non-vented goggles are excellent. The primary purpose here is to protect from infectious agents entering the eye either directly or blood splashes, respiratory droplets generated during coughing or suctioning, or from touching the eyes with contaminated fingers or other objects. Something like the DeWalt goggles pictured below will work well. However, if you want the best level of protection, consider the full-face Israeli and NATO military spec gas mask with a new 40 uh, millimeter NBC or nuclear biological chemical military grade filter. There are a lot of people falsely selling new filters online so be sure to purchase these. It is possible that public health officials may not have immediate clarity as to what the biological threat is or what to do about it. It might take some time to determine exactly what the illness is. By then it might even be too late. Therefore be prepared to be prepared to access information any way you can. Ways to stay informed. The internet. 
The World Health Organization provides real-time disease outbreak news at www.who.int. The Pan American Health Organization provides epidemiological incidence, distribution, and control of diseases, alerts, and updates at www.paho.org. Your phone. Phone apps are a great way to receive notices because you probably have your phone with you most of the time. You know, as he says that, I wanted to... um, so one of the one of the videos that I tried to hit, it's a daily video. Uh, I don't always hit it, but suspicious observer. I don't know if you he talks about he does the space weather and earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know when the eruptions that were happening in Yosemite Park and and all that kind of stuff, and people were talking about super volcano and all that. Stuff, I when I start hearing about that. I mean, I go over to his channel and I, you know, like, what is he saying? But anyway, I recently realized that he uh, put out an app, and so you have to purchase it. I think it's like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. But they do send out alerts, right? And so uh, just recently, they sent out an alert uh, this last week. Actually, I posted it on the Facebook group just to kind of uh, FYI for people um, that there is like extra solar, like we're going to be hit with the CME uh, on Monday. So as you're as you're uh, listening to this on Monday, then Tuesday, and then Sunday we were hit. So it was like uh, triple possible hits back to back to back. So, um, you know, having phone apps uh, are definitely worth it. So you can, uh, if you download this app, right, when you purchase it, you can set the alerts. And so I don't have it set to alert, just, you know, any little alert. I have the big ones, you know. So, like, it, when it, when I saw that alert, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's, uh, you know, that's a big one there. So I did share that out. But so that's why the Internet and phone apps and those kinds of things. Twitter, I talk about Twitter all the time. Uh, you know, people follow me on Twitter and, you know, they want me to follow them back. And I don't because I just... I just follow news organizations, and so I'm always trying to. That's where I get my news uh, when when I get a chance. So uh, Twitter is a very very good source for that. But anyway, so your phone, uh, your phone apps are a great way to receive notices because you probably have your phone with you most of the time. Radio, while you can receive notices on standard radio, it is best to have a NOAA weather radio. And television. Yes, I almost forgot this one. Though many of us use the internet alone, some people still have televisions. Protect your nose, mouth, eyes, and cuts. If you are caught with the, without a respirator or gas mask, cover your nose and mouth with multiple layers of fabric that can filter the air but still allow breathing. Wear an N95 or better mask. If exposed, remove and bag your clothes. Remove your clothes as well as any personal items. Bag them and wash your body with soap and water. Then put on clean clothes. Practice good hygiene. Remain calm and practice common sense. Remember, it is possible that you or your family members may become sick with a common cold or other illness not related to the outbreak. However, if your symptoms match those being reported or if you are in a group considered to be at risk, seek medical attention if available. And so what I would tell you is that if you're seeking medical attention, it depends on how... uh, you know how far in you are because if the hospitals are overrun you're just going to be sitting in a waiting room and anybody who takes you is going to be getting sick as well so uh, something to consider there as well why you would want to have a safe room uh, or a medical room where you can kind of isolate people that's where you would want to do that safe haven type thing uh, where you would want to put someone who is sick and put them in there and make sure that you know you take proper precautions uh, on that but I remember the, uh, you know what, I'm going to try to link to it. The After Armageddon, that was the one uh, video that kind of got my wife, you know, into preparedness and thinking about it. And, um, you know, there's this big pandemic and the guy is a nurse, I think. But he goes to he goes to the hospital to go into work. And, and it's like, you know, it's, it's just packed. People are, are packed out and people are like all on the sides of the hallways and things like that. And, and uh, if if you're there, you don't want to be you don't want to be stuck like that. Right. Continuing on, stay away from people. Well, this goes into exactly what I was saying. This one is pretty obvious, I think. During an outbreak, it's probably not the best time to go to the mall, the grocery store, or Disneyland. This is a good reminder of why it is important to have the emergency preparedness basics of food, water, and medical supplies on hand. If you are already out and about when an event occurs, fight the urge to panic. Get, in, get into the open, improvise a mask, or use the respirator that you should have in your bag or vehicle. Uh-huh. Start upwind, stay upwind from people, and make your way home. Uh, 
There's additional resources. There's a, a, a link here to disaster nursing and emergency preparedness. Um, and uh, that's it. So good article. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of links here, and uh, he's backed it up with uh, you know one of the things that Justin is doing is uh, backing it up with uh, almost kind of like a bibliography here where he's linking to all the the links at the very bottom, uh, kind of sourcing it out. So uh, definitely you want to go check out this article and a lot to consider because we 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 hate to say it but it's it's a matter of time it just depends on how things mutate right i remember reading an article that um we're just like one mutation away from things really getting crazy and um so anyway um you can you can dwell on it of course and that can make you panic the idea is not to panic but to instead to be prepared and uh, be ready for when things are happening stay aware right all right, so a uh, good article over at Sheepdog Man. Last article that I want to read, is I think it's a, it's a very good article, and I really, really enjoy it. It's by E.E. E. Borton over at ModernSurvivalBlog.com. E.E. Uh, e. is a, he's an author. He's uh, authored books like, um, let me see here, uh, Without and Without Two. I've had uh, email conversations with him, and we have linked to some of his articles and uh, he's posted a couple over here at Modern Survival Blog. I'm going to tell you that you remember when I when I said that there's a lot of you know when you when you get a certain amount of comments you kind of like know that it's kind of hit uh, a chord with people. There's 134 comments on this one article. I've I've actually been sitting on it for a little bit. It was released on June 22nd, so I've been uh, sitting on it for a little bit. Uh, ready to read it, but I think it's uh, it's a good one to read, and so I, I hope you're with me. Hope you uh, listen to this one and, and take it to heart. All right, let's go ahead and read this one again. The title of this one uh, over at ModernSurvivalBlog.com is called "I Am the Enemy" by E. E. Borton. My cousin is young, intelligent, witty, and kind. Her presence commands your attention, and she has the ability to light up the darkest room. She's an educator in the D.C. area with a passion to teach the next generation that they can become whatever they can dream. If she believes it in her heart, she knows it in her actions. She, she's driven to make this world a better place by teaching children to respect each other, to be tolerant of different opinions, to heal rather than hurt. I'm proud of her for all those things and I am the enemy. I am everything she's teaching them not to be. In her eyes, I'm short-sighted, stubborn, and intolerant. I voted for a monster and support policies, exec executive orders, and laws that would lock the doors against the rest of the world and throw away the keys. I'd rather stand at the border with a gun than a brochure. I can't argue with her. I am all those things. She doesn't understand that I, w that I wish I wasn't. She doesn't understand that I don't have a choice. I am who I am because of what I've experienced. She is who she is because of what she hasn't. I thank God every day for that fact. She doesn't understand that I don't want to carry a gun. I'd rather spend money on traveling the world instead of spending it on supplies, equipment, and training to protect my family against anything looking to hurt us. I'd rather be comfortable around strangers instead of profiling them. She and I don't see eye to eye on many subjects, and I hope it stays that way for the rest of her life. If we ever do, it means that she witnessed something horrible. Something horrible happened to her, or she did something horrible to protect life. It's what I don't get angry with. It's why I don't get angry with her when she doesn't understand me. It's easier for her to be passionate, outspoken, and public about her opinions and ideology because they both hold hopes for a better, safer, more tolerant world. On top of that, she's young, enough to believe that the change she wants to see in the world can happen in her lifetime. Me? Not so much. It's more difficult to voice my opinion than you need to be you need to put more rounds downrange so you'll be more effective in a gunfight. It's more difficult to voice my opinion about stockpiling food so you don't get stabbed for a can of beans at the grocery store after the power that has been out for a week. It's more difficult to voice my opinion about closing our borders until the rest of the world can prove they're not exporting terrorists. She holds her opinions because she sees the best in people. I hold mine because I've seen the worst. Neither are wrong. I could call her naive and inexperienced and she could call me paranoid and dismal. We could get angry and call each other ignorant, but we don't. She knows I've experienced bad things in bad places. I know she hasn't. 
I can't get angry at her for that. I can't get angry at anyone for that. I can't get angry with her for wanting more money to be allocated to the Department of Education than the Department of Defense. I can't get angry with her for wanting immigrants to feel welcomed at our door instead of locking it. I can't get angry with her for wanting things to get better instead of fearing that it won't. If I did get angry, then I'd earn the right to be called ignorant. The right side of the media defines her as a millennial snowflake looking for handouts who wants to save the world with cat videos and free hugs. The left side of the media defines me as a xenophobic misogynist who hates poor people, loves guns, and wants to push the button to turn the Middle East into a sheet of glass. There are a few of those extremists out there, but the media focuses on them so we all hate each other. It makes for better news if we're divided and angry. In order for me to change my cousin's opinion and ideology to match mine, I would have to wish something bad would happen to her. In order for me to change anyone's opinion and ideology to match mine, I would have to wish something bad would happen to them. That's the influence and power of experiences that I wouldn't wish on anybody. I don't have a nightstand or furniture near my side of the bed anymore. Not long ago, I had a vivid nightmare in that weird place between being asleep and being awake. I was reliving an experience that caused me to duck for cover. When I threw myself to the ground, I cracked my skull on the corner of my nightstand. Confused, injured, and staining the carpet with a pool of blood, I had trouble recognizing that I was home. I was safe. I wish I had been alone, but I wasn't. I scared the hell out of the one person I never wanted to scare. She approached me with caution because that's what I told her to do when I have nightmares. I told her to make sure I'm awake and that I recognize her before she gets close to me. Some of you will know what I told her, why I told her that. Some of you will recommend a therapist. Regardless of the reasons, they happen because of experiences. Experiences that my young cousin will never be able to understand. Experiences that make me who I am and why I have opinions different from hers. The reasons are why I prepare for events that she can't comprehend, but the more real to me than anything she sees on TV or on her phone. I don't carry a gun with the hopes of using it. I don't store food and water with the hopes of needing it. I don't profile strangers with the hopes of being right. I do all those things with the hopes of being wrong. If I use them, it means that others are suffering. If someone is carrying a gun with the hopes of using it, I believe they shouldn't have it. If someone is storing food and water because they hope the event comes when they need it, I believe it means they know others will be starving to death. If they profile strangers with the hopes of being right, they're looking for a fight where nobody wins. Trust me, nobody wins when you're looking for that fight. I believe those are the, pre those are the preppers that the media seeks out to put on TV. I believe those are the preppers who make the rest of us look like we're crazy. If you prepare because you hope something bad is going to happen, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. There's a good chance my cousin will be involved in the next peaceful march on D.C. for whatever reason she holds relevant. She'll be unarmed and the furthest thought from her mind will be Islamic terrorists driving a van through the crowd. She'll stand there in horror and disbelief as they jump out and kill more people with homemade knives until they're gunned down by police. That could never happen, right? I mean, when is the last time that ever happened? She lives her life in green. She doesn't check the corners when she walks into a convenience store or unfamiliar room. She doesn't keep her head on a swivel when she's pumping gas. She doesn't carry a gun, let alone keeping it on the inside of the booth in a restaurant or the wall side on a train. I wish I could leave and live in green, but my experiences force me to live otherwise. That has nothing to do with her or her beliefs. I recognize that my cousin and I are in the middle space between the left and the right. I believe most of us live in that middle space. We have more common ground and more room to compromise than what the media forces down our throats every single day. They want, any, they want another civil war. They want to divide us so they can be the first cameras recording the first kid to die in a war they'll never admit to starting. My cousin is putting herself out there with her energy and resources to change the world for the better. I'm using mine to prepare for her failure. Which one of us is right? So, uh, like I said... A great article to think about. I love the idea of uh, all the ideas of, hey, you know, we don't want our loved ones. We don't want those people that we care about to, you know, to be thinking about this because if that if it does or living this way, because then, you know, they're living in this. I, I don't I don't know. And some of you, of course, some of the, the comments, you know, is like, hey, you know, you don't want them living in a fairy tale world either. Right. Um 
sometimes people have to come to their to their conclusions they have to come up on their own and hopefully it's not uh because of pain hopefully it's not because of you know something bad happening there are a couple of other articles here that you might want to go check out uh, by E.E. E. Burton on uh, Modern Survival blog. So uh, Modern Survival in Suburbia, The Intangible Prep, and then Surviving Haiti, A Real-World SHTF Environment. Uh, I know that we've, we've, uh, we've uh, linked to both of those on Prepper website, but I don't believe I've read them on the podcast. So those might be articles. So although there aren't uh, links in his article, uh, you can go check out these other two articles. And then, like I said... He's got his books that are linked here, and then all the comments. It's always uh, interesting to to read the comments here. But um, good good article there. Uh, you know, good good thoughts to uh, to end with with uh, this podcast um, uh, tomorrow. So if you're listening to this uh, on the Monday Monday podcast, uh, July third tomorrow will be Independence Day. Uh, traditionally, those are you know low numbers for downloading the podcast and even hitting the website. And then uh, because people are out and they're celebrating with family and friends and, and doing all that good stuff. And then uh, it all picks up, you know, um, you know, later on that week, people come back and and uh, pick up where they left off. But if you are listening to this on Monday, hope you have a great Independence Day. Uh, remembering that we have uh, great freedoms. You talked about that in church uh, for my sermon. You know, we have great freedoms that... Uh, the media will tell you and people will tell you out there that you know we don't have as many freedoms as as you know as as we you would think and and definitely there's a lot of case for saying that a lot of our freedoms have been eroded and you know uh we I, we can go into that but you just think of it this way if if you could pick up and leave and go to any other country right now where would you want to go to you know, there's people loving and dying and wanting to come over here to to America, and they can't. Uh, we still have a lot of freedoms. We still have a lot of opportunities there. We are a very, very blessed nation, even with all the junk that's going on there, even with all all the stuff that uh, that we experience, and uh, you know, all the things that we know as people who are trying to to live prepared lives and more self reliant lives. Uh, you know, we we know all the stuff out there, but even with all of that, we still live in uh, in a great country. A lot of opportunities, a lot of freedoms, and we need to protect those. Still, we need to be on the you know be aware and uh, make sure that we are not just um, passively living, that we are truly living. And so, uh, with that, like I said, I hope you have a great Independence Day and uh, a good start to your week. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.